Wise men will tell you that we benefit from suffering, setbacks, and letdowns. It's the same with eating humble pie. A man who hasn't been made to eat humble pie has had a diet without roughage. Welcome to episode 11 of Sandwich Wingman. I'm Ryan Morrison. With me, as always, Rob Hanna. Rob, how are you doing? I am great. Um, we're looking forward to today's episode. Um, great quote. Yeah, this, uh, I thought these uh, essays were, were delightful. Uh, yes, yes. We, um, pleasure to uh, I think we, we both decided on something of a um, an Irish theme. Yeah. For this week's episode, um, and that was John B. Keen. That's right. And um, uh, that was from an essay, a short essay, "Humble Pie." Humble Pie. Yeah. So John B. Keen is one of the preeminent Irish essayists to show up in a Google search if you search for Irish essayists. <laughs> Yes, in my experience, are, yeah. And yes, yes, in both of our experience, we haven't read John Keane before, so this is a, a new experience for us and a new uh, space to explore, so this is exciting. Yeah, this was, um, I liked, uh, they, they were pretty short, we, we have three that we read for today, but they seem to all be uh, nugget-based, like one nugget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's, here's what I need to say in order to address this nugget, and uh, he's usually pretty upfront. Maybe in the first line, what yeah. that nugget would be. I'm, I am, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to taking that apart and mining for gold. <clears throat> but in keeping with our Irish uh, theme for for this episode, our, our barely post St. Patrick's Day episode, um, we had corned beef. As yes, corned beef. Corned yes. beef. Is that the? It's a nice little mashup of consonants there. Go ahead, you can yeah, say har- it again. Go ahead. Cor- corned beef. Yeah. Sounds delicious. Well, it, j- it just makes me think of youth. Corned corned beef and cabbage. So, um, hmm. I I was looking forward to trying some variations on common uses of corned beef so I, I i'm also looking forward to hearing how you play with it as well all right but i think it's your turn to go first my friend okay well i did a let's call it a modified reuben so um at, <laughs> as you might know so i'm, I'm gonna call this the um because I, I think there are other variants called rachel's right so um oh. Tell me more. So, I had never I, heard that before. I, I don't know about what the substitute is to make a Rachel, but uh, <laughs> this is very uh, but, uh, but, but, stuff. But I'm <laughs> I'm going to call this um, the the Robert. All right, I get it. Your name also starts with an R. Yes. So um, this was a corned beef um, s- sandwich on pumpernickel bread with egg, kale, and hummus. With some added chipotle sauce, um, and I, when I was conceiving of this sandwich, I, I saw each of the ingredients as substituting for common ingredients in basic Reubens. Well, let's let's start then. What are the basic ingredients of a Reuben? Um, For what I can tell, um, they uh, all contain corned beef and sauerkraut, um, and typically some Russian dressing. Um, 
I believe that they are served with Swiss and mustard also as well. So those are, I think those are the basic ingredients of a Reuben. Um, I think, I think typically the sauerkraut and the corned beef are, um, uh, maybe the word is layered or given liberally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not one for like the sandwich is too big for your mouth, but I can, I can imagine Reuben's I've seen in different settings of either, uh, so like different kind liberal of within or reason. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. You know, like, like a, a lot of, a lot of meat. And perhaps a lot of more, more of a well. centrist liberal. Yeah, well said. Yes, yeah, very liberal in, in the center of the sandwich. Um, so yes, yeah, so you're, you're a sandwich coalition builder. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in this sense, this was a coalition of uh, uh, of uh, some um, some disparate uh, some disparate things. Yeah, this is so, hard for me to keep track of here. So, so if you can think of the basic components of the Reuben here, and we can kind of get into my ease of assembly a little with that, but um, so. I saw the uh, the egg being a substitute for the cheese, okay. Uh, text texturally and also maybe in terms of like um, the uh, I don't know. I, for some reason, I was seeing I was seeing a connection between <laughs> a connection between the yolk and the and the cheese. Oh, um, okay. Yes, the, they're both frequently uh, yellow. Yes, so the color. Um, the kale, I thought, is a substitute for sauerkraut, because sauerkraut's kind of like a cabbage, and cabbage is in the green family with kale. Um, All right. And um, mustard, I just don't like the taste of mustard, particularly spicy mustard, um, but I wanted to add something that kind of had a kick to it, so I added the chipotle sauce. All right. Um, and the Russian dressing, which I just did some research on earlier today to figure out what are the components, typically is kind of a derivative of ketchup and mayonnaise i recall with some other kind of spices mm-hmm. and um other flavorings so i decided that as a substitute for the um for the mayonnaise component i would put hummus in um so i essentially got rid of all the stuff in rubens that i normally just wouldn't enjoy eating and tried to substitute them for things that i would enjoy eating uh and actually this this all worked out rather swimmingly so i am uh, i'm quite happy to uh to say that the later on that this will be getting some good ratings. But in terms of the ease of assembly, all I really had to do was cook a fried egg, or, you know, essentially fry an egg. Yeah, I was going to ask um, about, the, about so, the egg. Uh, but otherwise, very easy. Uh, everything else was, in that sense, pre-prepared. I went to a, uh, a local German deli to pick up the uh, the corned beef and, and mm. got some slices. Um, so I give this a 4 out of 5 for that, for my ease of assembly. Uh, and what did you make this week? Um, well, uh, similar to you, I decided to... Maybe do a somewhat different take on a a known corned beef sandwich. So okay. I decided I would shoot for a derivative of a Reuben. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, we, we you know we we, bought, we probably both did our background research on this yeah. and decided that this was the sandwich that is featured where where corned beef is featured. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, so we both did our research. Uh, this is uh, proof positive. We do not coordinate in advance, apparently. Exactly. I think. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I or, did do something or, or different proof, than you. Proof negative. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. In, in mm-hmm. fact, I'm going to go ahead and, and suggest that uh, mm-hmm. if we had 1,000 people attempt to make a different version of a Reuben, mm-hmm. you would be the only one to have arrived at, at the Robert. <laughs> you're, you're pretty out there. This is... Uh, it's pretty interesting, gonna say, and and yeah. So, what what did you do? So, um, this is why I found it entertaining to have you describe the Reuben. 
Oh, I see. Yes. yes. Um, was that was I was I correct in my description? I believe so. That's, oh, good. That's, okay. Uh, actually, I had left out uh, or I did not appreciate the mustard component. In fact, ah, okay. if you um, if you're also telling me that the Russian dressing is like a uh, a mix of mayonnaise and ketchup, then that's that's quite a, <laughs> quite a mixture of condiments there. That is a good point. You've got so like maybe the mustard three is not a typical of, ingredient of uh, condiments. That's right. It would, that, yeah, to me that 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 already sounds off-putting. So right, um, and you yeah. know if you're mixing paints, right, the three primary colors of, of pigment, these yep. additive primary colors, you add all exactly. three of them together, you get brown. Which you know sometimes you need brown. I uh, I don't really think of that too much in the sandwich context, but um, that's interesting. <coughs> so maybe I will have to try an actual Reuben at this point. But I did stay a little bit closer to the original than you did. Okay, good. Um, I stayed, so corned beef, obviously. Mm-hmm. I did do the sauerkraut. Good. Um, not a big fan of Swiss cheese. And I thought I'd kick it up a notch. So with uh, with the cheese, I went with a pepper jack. I like it. Yeah. And um, only other ingredient, I uh, I got some cooked... Brussels sprouts. Kind of mash those up. Put those in with the sauerkraut. That's it, really. Wow. Yeah. What What was the inspiration for the Brussels sprouts? Um, I saw them in the grocery store, and I said, "Oh okay. yeah, Brussels sprouts." Great. That was That was about it. That works for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I don't want to sound like or imply that I picked a an ingredient at random that would be that would be uh like a sandwich wingman heresy i think no 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 because we're, we're innovators we uh, we experiment yeah i guess that's true um yeah i uh i don't think we're going for random combinations <laughs> but i think uh so uh, i thought the flavor of the um brussels sprouts was mostly drowned out so I, I don't know that it did too much for it but uh i don't know made me feel better about myself <laughs> so that probably added to your nutrition value yeah so um all you had to do in addition to just putting these ingredients together was was uh fry an egg <laughs> my my um process was a uh one that we've we've used in the past here of the the toast and microwave technique. Oh yes, of course. So, you know, toasted to oh, I should have said rye bread is where I went with that. I always felt partial to rye, oh, yes. rye bread, but it looked like a Reuben. It's still a dark bread. So, um, two slices of those in the toaster. Kind of got my two slices of pepper jack ready to go there. Maybe picking up some of that hot air above the above the toaster. One slice on each piece of the toast. Um, I instead of in the past when we've done this with cheese, um, I've put just the bread and the cheese in the microwave. Right, try to get right. a nice little little bubble. It's not what I did here. Um, I went ahead and I put the corned beef slices um, on top of the cheese on uh, on on both sides. I put a little bit of the sauerkraut to kind of add up to the the right right amount there 
pop both halves in uh, in the microwave, and so it was a it was a hot sandwich. It's pretty good. Um, cool. I I kind of spent my time mashing up those Brussels sprouts while that was in the microwave. But yeah, so uh, a little more intensive. It was a multi-step process. Um, went with a three. Ease of assembly, three. <coughs> and and your nutritional value? Well, here is where the Brussels sprouts shine, my friend. Right. Mm-hmm. It, can you think of a uh, a sandwich ingredient we have used thus far that is more like self-provingly nutritious than Brussels sprouts? No. All right. So. So I'm going four here because it's not, they're not like winds all around. Um, but I felt the uh, sandwich just about a four, yeah. Nutrition. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's the Brussels sprout bump. It is, yeah. At least you you get up one level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. All right. Um, for, for me, for nutrition, I actually gave mine a five out of five. Great. Because I I I, I pretty much think I upgraded as it were all the ingredients that are in a typical Reuben except for the actual meat. Um, so I was pretty stoked about that. Um, and I think it all worked well, very, very well together. Um, should I, I, I might get into the taste a little bit here too. Um, well, uh, while we're at nutrition. Yes, please. One yes. more comment to make. We actually, um, this is also the first time I think we've had two related ingredients in a sandwich that have kind of nothing to do with the inspiration. Oh, okay. We've yes. We've both tried it, right? So your kale and my <coughs> Brussels sprouts come from the same plant. Oh, yeah? Same plant, yeah. I did not realize that. Yeah, the, um, the, the kale plant, the Brussels sprouts came from a single mutant kale plant. And uh, you can probably guess what city that was in. But uh, basically, <laughs> the, you know, the axillary buds were like the yeah. Yeah. You know, like side stems come off there in this plant those just kind of like kept growing and didn't turn into like a a stem at all they're Mm -hmm. just they're just big buds that's what the brussels sprouts are cool i did not know that that's something new for me to learn today yeah Um, that's what we're all about here at sandwich wingman yeah learning and being impressed by uh (laughs) by each other's choices and 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 at least in my case outlandish uh uh ideas um but yes k- kale and brussels same family same idea but i, I it, but you, you did it as a way to make your sandwich more nutritious i did it as a yeah as a substitute for the sauerkraut but i thought mine so. would go with the sauerkraut no agreed oh, yeah. and, and, and well then, then let me ask you then did did it did they all go well together how did it taste this is a very good sandwich um <laughs> tasted fantastic um Thought the pepper jack did did a nice little job here on this thing. Um, I liked I liked the rye bread um, and the sauerkraut. You know I'm not I don't sit around eating sauerkraut that often, but uh, there's a reason why it has been paired with corned beef. It was very good together. I thought uh, so. I went eight on taste. How about you? Um, I gave mine a, a seven, actually. I, I thought that everything worked very well together, but for some reason, nothing in the sandwich was really exciting to my palate. 
So, you know, it, it tasted fine. I thought there was actually no ingredient that was kind of a bad note, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't really kind of – it didn't inspire me to want to make it again. But it was a solid sandwich, how our sandwiches have gone. Okay. Uh, um, but let me ask a follow-up to you about the, the sauerkraut combination with the corned beef. I'm actually very curious about that. You know, I think we've talked either on air or both on air and off air about <clears throat> how certain sandwiches have kind of evolved and been constructed and kind of become favorites, right? And, and you know, this is, a to me, a, a non-intuitive set of ingredients, right? I mean, sauerkraut and corned beef, right? So do you have a sense why you think the flavors may have gone well together? I do not. Okay. Um, I don't know. The, I mean, the sauerkraut is basically, it's like a pickled, um, right? you know, cabbage. If you're, so, I mean, that's really what you're tasting is like the, the vinegar. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have an answer. No, no, no I was just, I was that's, just curious. That's because, what we're yeah. all, all about here at Sandwich <laughs> Man. Not having answers. <laughs> Not having answers. <laughs> a little bit of learning and a little bit of questioning. Yes, a little bit of staring the world in the face and realizing <laughs> I don't we have know nothing. Yeah, we are we are specks of dust. I, 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 might I say we're eating our humble pie? Mm, you might. You might. <laughs> uh, well, let me let me say. Uh, in order to save our own integrity here, is that the integrity of my sandwich um, <laughs> stayed, stayed together very well, the whole thing, all the way through. It may have been because we had these uh, uh, kind of, uh, whatever, I forget what we called them in an earlier episode, but like these ingredients that kind of help everything stick together, like hummus. Mm. Um, and so uh, everything was great, five out of five integrity, which made me very happy because I think I've had sandwiches in the past that have broken apart, but this, this was a consistently uh, solid uh, sandwich. So that was great. It sounds pretty substantial. Yeah. What, what about uh, what about for you, man? And uh, I guess it was important too that you weren't too liberal with your corned beef. Correct. Yes, it stayed. To, yes, I did not feel like the corned beef uh, layer was was overly thick. It, I, I forget, but I would say it was probably like four or five slices high. Oh, so nice. I went. I went three. To be honest. Okay. And what what happened to make your sandwich? Uh, candid, I guess. Fall apart. Uh, I I I gave myself a, a four on integrity. Oh, okay. Um, it yep. was it was from a, an integrity standpoint, it was perfect with one exception. Um, try as I might, I ended up making three of these sandwiches over like three days. So wow, for, right. for good. Um, and I had the ingredients that worked, so why not? That's awesome. Um, but try as I might. I came up with no way, basically, to, like, drain the sauerkraut. Right. Which I had in a jar. Or to drain it to the point where it, was, it wasn't, it uh, was you know, just a little bit drippy. So it was just, like, a little vinegar drip. So it wasn't, like, a, uh, you know, terrible, like, uh, Russian dressing, like, all over your hands type of thing. But, you know, it's, so there was a little blemish on the on the... Integrity meter, so I went four, and that's all yeah. I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that that um, pro- probably the best uh, thing about my sandwich, I think, is the story behind it rather than the sandwich itself. Uh, I mean, I think even, even as you acknowledged earlier on the air that um, I I, it's, I did a lot of interesting substitutes here. So I think that that alone, if I defined it, if, if I just told you these were the ingredients I put together in a sandwich. It would seem, um, as many of my sandwiches have seemed, 
somewhat confusing. Um, but but in kind of a one to one mapping with the Rubin, uh, at least moderately logical. Um, so in terms of conversation piece, I actually felt this was relatively interesting. I gave this a four out of five. Yeah, I feel like you you had at least a lot to explain. <laughs> I, I had a lot of explaining to do about this sandwich. Yes. Yeah, and, so. and you may uh, have more explaining to do. <laughs> um, I also went four on okay. conversation piece. I was pretty proud of this guy, so I was, I was happy to talk about it anyway. Not too often that you bring a jar of sauerkraut into work, so there was there was that as well. I did make one of these sandwiches for someone else based on a conversation about a sandwich I was having. Wow. So that was a, was a nice little leg up. Um, but yeah, uh, at the same time, not, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't stray too far from the classic Reuben, I guess. So not well, quite, not quite a five. I'm going for. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the, the classic just works here, man. So, um, the, you know, if any of you could do to enhance it, that's great. It's also inspiring to know that you as a sandwich wingman were in fact wingmaning someone else a sandwich. Yeah, we're gonna have to come up with the how that how that verb is gonna work. It was a, it was yeah. a little awkward. <laughs> I was gonna say it was really awkward off the tongue. Wingmanging. Wingmanging. I was wingmanging. <laughs> yeah. And you uh, know, uh, if you're yeah. not sure what to bring for lunch next week we can we can talk about my wingman right i might wingman right um yeah, yeah the, <laughs> uh no well, well you know well, um here we are just exploring the wonders of language together <laughs> um so um just so the, <laughs> just that one statement that wasn't a segue to anything no. just just kind of describing what we were doing there yeah i'm just saying like this is i'm just I'm savoring the moment. Ah, uh, I see. There we go. So the experience um, of my sandwich, mm. uh, as I was saying, which I know is makes for great on-air uh, conversation, this was a middle-of-the-road fine experience. <laughs> this was like a, a sandwich that had no wrong notes and no exciting high notes. Um, so this was a middle-of-the-road three for experience for me. Nice. Well, that's, I mean, you, that's a good thing. Yes. Because you covered a yeah. lot of bases there, and you still ended up... Yeah, and, and, I, and I will say that the, my total score is, is, is an impressive one, even though many of the individual subcomponents were middle of the road, so, uh, which is great. That's kind of how this all works. Um, and for you, man, your overall experience of your modified Reuben? See, this is where my unnamed sandwich had its day in the sun this is a yes. this is a five experience the well, fact, you repeated the fact the that the whole thing yeah. was hot yes made a big difference uh, you know the toasted bread it's very nice it was a nice uh you know the like i said the, the, the sauerkraut and the uh, corned beef went together very well i thought the pepper jack you know that that little spice note i think is we've Used that as a tool now a few times. Definitely played a role here. Um, <coughs> Brussels sprouts really didn't uh, do do much for me on the experience thing, but basically uh, they didn't need to. I was there. I was a five. Yeah, you, you were able to eat your Brussels sprouts and not have to worry about experiencing them. 
Yeah, it was kind of like I was swallowing them without uh, without chewing them. <coughs> yeah, and it would, would. I will say that that your point about the overall experience reminds me that I didn't make many comments about the Chipotle that I, I added, which ended up not adding that much heat. But I just wanted to put that out there that I thought it would be an ingredient that would add a lot of spice and heat, but I did not add it liberally enough to make that happen. So if you were to do this again, would you would you add more? I would add more, a lot more. I, I would. Uh, I would do it almost exactly the same way, but maybe I'd add something that maybe gave it even more kicks. Maybe in addition to that, I'd add some jalapeno or something. Um, yeah. The, the the experience was almost too smooth. I, I wanted it to be a little bit more... Um, it does, yeah. It sounds like it was very, like, substantial. Aggressive. Yes, it was. And it, yep. and it, and it felt substantial as you were eating it. Exactly. And uh, very, uh, you know, like you were content. Yeah, I mean, I, I recommend this sandwich as as a as a sandwich you could make on a weekly basis with ingredients that are mostly around the house, other than maybe corned beef. Um, uh, I don't so. think you said what kind of hummus did you use. Oh, that's a good question. It definitely was not a flavored one. This was a plain one. Maybe that's a maybe that's a technique as well. Yeah, it could be. It could be. And uh, and I used pumpernickel. I think I had said earlier rather than mm. rye, but I'm not sure if that really changed the flavor that much. Uh, so. Yeah, unfortunately, neither one of us know the answer to that right now. We'd have to try each other's sandwiches with the with the other kind of bread or something. Yeah, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but I don't I don't eat Reuben, so I, I I wish I could use the Reuben as a comparison point and say like whether this was better tasting or as similar tasting as that. So isn't Reuben fun to say though? It is, it is, and I just uh, on air just named mine the Robert. So you know, there's something else now we can. So Ruben is fun to say, with. but Robert is more fun to say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it makes me feel like I finally coined something. Um, <laughs> well, I I am happy to name your sandwich after you. That would be my pleasure. Yes, and your sandwich will remain the the unnamed. <laughs> Reuben, <laughs> yeah, the lone wolf of the of the the Reuben community. Um, so I will say here that my total score ended up being a twenty eight on this one. Um, is that what did you get? I, I'm not sure how this happened, Rob. My score ended up being a twenty eight. Oh my lord, this is great. Same score, same sandwich inspiration. That's right. They probably even looked this well. Actually, I'm going to take that back. They probably look nothing alike, but uh, the bread looked alike, maybe, and and the meat, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this anymore, other than <laughs> um, I'm I'm pleased. This this may be a, this has to be our highest combined score. Uh, that I I bet that's the case. I can't uh, I can't verify that instantly but i think that's uh that's probably the case yeah we, i think we both have had weeks of ups and downs but well this done, is a week where we both up yeah so congratulations to you as well yeah. this is uh what we have really done here this is a episode 11 uh a great accomplishment here to so, have, have to have actually really improved our lunches yeah i guess the the lesson here is to uh, tip your cap to something that works yeah and maybe just try to make it work a different way Exactly. I, I'm just really happy to hear you made it multiple times. So, um, yeah. Well, that's that's, uh, that's the thing about uh, you know making sandwiches for one. Many of the ingredients come in more than single serve, you know, larger than single serving sizes. 
Yes, and I will also admit that I also made multiple sandwiches, uh, but uh, some of them were about the same. Two of eggs. You don't have yeah, to be so, ashamed yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Rob, that's okay. <laughs> it, it's, it sometimes just takes more than one. You are becoming a sandwich aficionado. Mm. Therefore, you are expected to eat multiple sandwiches on a regular basis. Yes, I mean, I, I eat sandwiches every day. Uh, so just often those sandwiches are made uh, by someone at a, at a store or something. So, um, Well, all right. Yeah, so yes, yeah, so, but now I feel like I should eat my humble pie and maybe we should think more about uh, what John Keane has to say about this. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you have any humble pie stories of your own, uh, but here... Um, Keen just tells a couple of uh, stories of times where he was forced to eat humble pie. Uh, the first was a like a schoolyard fight where he had challenged a much smaller and frailer boy to a to a fight, right? Uh, only to find, to his chagrin, described in fantastic detail, yeah. that uh, the older brother of the boy showed up at that place at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, he was, uh, you know, forced to do a little strategic swerve there. <laughs> yes, I think he. I think he wasn't a strategic swerve. Something that he had to. Uh, he made vague references. He says to a promise I had made my mother. <laughs> yeah, I just I uh, I read that. I you know, I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how well that would work. Well, I, may, may, apparently in the Irish schoolyard that works well. I guess so. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't you have expected though that 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 would incur even more derision? Yes, I, I would expect that would have been provocative. Yes. Um, anyway. So yeah, it, yeah. So um, I, I mean, I mean, I, I will tell you that I think some of the best parts of this essay are just the way he talks about this. The quote you had about the humble pie, right? Um, at the beginning of the episode, but now the other, there's another quote here where it's like, I was indeed made to eat humble pie on that occasion, but the digestion thereof stood me in good stead for the remainder of my school going days, which also is intriguing there, just to your point earlier, where he used his promise to his mother as an excuse. And apparently that gave him enough humble pie cred to, uh, um, yes. to, that took him for the remainder of his days. That That's impressive. This is an impressive, uh, this is, uh, a portrait of a young essayist. Um, I, I did that wrong. This, this is how a portrait of an essayist as a hung man. Yes, right. Yeah, I should I should uh, take a page from that book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I so the the little boy that he had challenged. Yes. Really enjoyed this description. Um, for he was smaller than I was, thinner than I was, and as unlikely a candidate. For a bout of fisticuffs, as a man <laughs> with two broken hands. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's delightful. And then the uh, the the larger brother shows up. He was the very antithesis of his fraternal inferior, with a barrel chest, a jaw like a hippopotamus, and a right hand about the same size as a leg of mature lamb. <laughs> Yeah, it says, come on, he shouted truculently. (laughs) (laughs) 
as he extended a turnip-sized left hand. See, this yeah, is so uh, that's, some uh, references. I mean, those yes. are two very differently sized hands. Am I wrong? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, right. we have not used turnip as a as a common ingredient yet, nor do I seek my... to do so in the <laughs> yes. future. But my memory is that a turnip uh, is a very different size than a leg of mature lamb. I would think that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not that experienced with thinking about the legs of mature lambs, but... Well, maybe you should start, Rob. Well, as we said earlier, that this is what Sandwich Wingman is all about. <laughs> it's about so many things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like yes, uh, I like yes. the idea. I mean, obviously, so stories are important to mm-hmm. to Keen. This is how he ends up uh, setting himself apart here with these essays, which are very story based. Yes, exactly. But I like the idea. So the other story. Is about um, a dance. Oh, that's right. Exactly. Right, and but so I liked. Um, you know, he had a line of fanciful patter specifically designed to woo and ravish consenting females in the vicinity. <laughs> but I think that's a good technique, though, right? I mean, you gotta have something ready. Yeah, you have to have your uh, your shtick. I think so. Yeah, yeah, you have to have uh, some stuff in reserve. Uh, fanciful patter is not a bad word for it, I guess. I'm finding that I wish I had more in reserve right now. So, did I go too far there? Or? No, I believe that's Breaking right. Breaking the fourth wall? No, 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 no. I think that you are correct that we both may be uh, uh, wanting some, uh, some uh, what does he say? <laughs> fanciful patter specially designed to woo. Um... But not so, ravish. but not right. Really <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, you know, we want to we, we want our listeners to you know to enjoy it, but not not to feel like it's uh, laborious. Um, All right. The um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say that is again the strengths here of his descriptions of when he finally does end up dancing with a woman uh, at this dance. Right? He says, "We floated, but as we were aloft, uh, we floated." Right? That, that was a nice thing, and. Uh, I, he gets tapped on the shoulder, right? Yeah. And I, I open my eyes to find myself confronted by a burly Lothario with a thin mustache so delicately represented it might have been drawn by a single stroke of a ballpoint pen. <laughs> which, which, which uh, in these days, I don't think that's someone who could, you know, command the respect of everyone in the dance hall. I would say, it, in fact, and yeah, um, if it, uh, so I completely agree with that, uh, and it is, a, it is a weird thing to think that that would be an, an, an intimidating thing. But this is uh, this is what we learn here. But he he asked the question, "What's the idea?" I asked. Yeah, I thought that was well played. Yeah, the yeah, idea man, said what's he. The idea? Yeah, well, the the idea said he is that this is an excuse me dance. So hand her over. So first of all, I don't yeah. know about you, but I have no idea what an excuse me dance is. Well, is it's an idea. An idea. Yeah, right. But but we don't know what this meant. Did, was this referring to the dance that he was having? Exactly. Or the correct. dance that, that uh, the thin, the thinly mustachioed man? Ooh, well, yes, uh, was about to have. Uh, without a doubt, it appears that. Um, he said, "I looked 
Yeah, you're right. Even even his other language there doesn't quite describe it, right? I looked to my angelic partner in the hope that she would confirm that this was that it was not an excuse me. Mm. So maybe maybe the new uh, maybe maybe an excuse me dance is like when you're already dancing in mid dance with someone and someone comes in and and yeah asks asks to you're dance just filling with your in the mate. Gaps. Yeah, you're just filling in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. You're, um, you're a replacement level dancer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but I did like I, I, the technique at the end, right? Yes. Um, oh yes, oh yes, yes. I might have eaten humble pie on that occasion. So this is a, a time where he did not eat humble pie, but in fact, it looks like he. It says it said essentially instead of uh, you know um, relieving himself of the dance, he in fact it kind of doubles down, right? Um, right. Oh yeah. I whisked my partner to the furthest extremities of the dance hall. Right, um, where I looked into her eyes and overcame her protestations with flurries of exquisitely executed quick steps. <laughs> I, I think I think you just got to go for it, right? You got to act yeah. like. Uh, I mean, basically, you have to not ask, "Hey, what's the idea?" Exactly right. You just have to assume that there is no idea. Exactly, and that and that you cannot be excused. Yeah, your idea is the only idea. Until someone forces you to uh, change your mind, I guess. Yes. So, um... I don't know. This is a, from, a, from a different time. Um, <laughs> this is... It, where, was, where, where, it was fun to read. Um, not a, a whole lot there. But I do believe that... Um, I, we have talked before, you know, adversity. Right? That's right. So obviously, a, a character building uh, event. In fact, in fact, they may be the events in which character is built. Yeah, in fact, they may be the only events in which character is built. Yeah. What's that? I wonder like if that's a good. Uh, on. Well, no, okay. <laughs> uh, not quite yet, but um, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, ask, so, yeah, I, yeah. I did not ask you what's the idea. That's that's my choice. Just gonna go but with I, it. I'm, well, gonna, I, I'm I, gonna see that you would have insisted anyway, so I'm gonna pretend it was always my idea to just go to the next essay. Exactly right, and and uh, there might be a good segue here. Yeah, well, there would be if you just swore at me there. Which that's uh, right. You know, we I have, could do. We have uh, marked this uh, this podcast as explicit. Oh, have we? We have. It shows up as explicit. Well, I mean, we, we haven't lived up to that name yet, so I wonder... Well, first of all, I will say that, that this essay, Foul Talk, does not actually use the, any foul talk words. That's right. Well, so, so, he doesn't like foul foul talk. Yeah, in fact, I think it sounds like he prefers uh, substituting actual real-life aggression for foul talk. Yes, which is also, <laughs> I would think, an unpopular opinion Yes, today. Also very uh, true. I, I don't think, uh, in fact, I believe I've been coached not to, like, physically take out your aggression. I, I think there's some, like, a like a pillow thing. Pillows are... <coughs> yeah. It's, it's permissible to um, show your pillow what for. <laughs> um, yes, and, and John, uh, John uh, would agree with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Although, I don't, I'm not sure that he would agree that that was good enough. 
right? There's a there's a smashing component to what he says is a nice substitute for swearing. So he tells a story about a, a woman throwing a an alarm clock through a window. That's right. And uh, upset by you know the hangers on that uh, had come home with her husband <laughs> late one night and uh, decided to keep partying. Yeah. Yep. So he ran into her later. I think this is the this is the punchline, right? This is the exactly right. The the lesson coming home to roost here at the end. He speaks with her later. She had thrown this alarm clock at this party of men missing, went through the window, landed on the street, and then the mm-hmm. alarm went off, which I thought was also a nice touch. It is, yeah. But he ran into her later, and she said, or he apologized for being there. She said, I won't have to smash a thing now for months. And uh, yeah. he takes that as proof that, uh, you know, a little smashing, you know, it, uh, it helps uh, relieve that pressure. And then you can be good for a while. Well, I, I, I will say to that particular point, I think that's exactly, um, I think there's something there, right? About, about whether or not we often need some sort of experience to kind of... Um, let out that aggression in a, in a somewhat, you know, in a, in a harmless way. I mean, some of it's obviously it was not great to throw an alarm clock out a window, but it felt really, it felt really good. And, and, and I, I dare I say cathartic for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what the opposite of catharsis is, but once you kind of have gotten to that new place, you don't need to have the opposite or something like you, you're, you're in, I don't know. Is it's it, a new equilibrium. Is it cathesis? Yeah. yeah, I think it's, is it cathesis? <laughs> We just made oh. that up. That's oh, okay. Um, no, you, you, you're the uh, you know you're the man of words, we, the man well, of letters. We, we uh, you know we we had some arsis thesis exercises in days past. Uh, That's right. I was thinking that. I mean, conducting, and I'm pretty sure arsis was not a word either. But <laughs> that, that's a good point. That is a good point. I have not heard the word arsis ever since then, except in, except by people that we know arsis. from that time of our lives. Well, this is something that we're going to have to investigate. Arsis, yeah. Yeah. How did that well, I'll tell you, that out? might be the closest we get to explicit language here. <laughs> Arsis! Arsis! Yeah, um, it'll just be it'll be censored because no one will know what it means. And therefore, they will, they will infer that it means something explicit. I, I will say, to, 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 to think back to Keen here, um, I will say that, that I love his... Um, well, I'll, I'll read it. I mean, he says, nobody can now deny that the use of the four-letter word is at its most prevalent ever, right? Like, everybody says, like, you know, swearing's at its pinnacle or whatever, right? Um, when it was used in my boyhood days, there was awe and shock. Um, the user was branded as an authentic transgressor of the first water. Hmm. Um, I, I, it says, bound to end his days with a rope around his neck and certain to sizzle endlessly on the scorching pits of hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I thought that I thought that made his point quite well. Yeah, he's not. But but I I love the 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 this the, the the turn of phrase authentic transgressor of the first water. I like the first water thing too. Too yeah. I, I'm not even quite sure what it means, but I it makes me want to learn what it means. I, I mean, so this was enjoyable to read, right? We I think we keep coming back to this idea that it's that it's it's fun because it's quaint. Right. But, um, it was, you know, just, just kind of fun as well. I would agree that maybe 
some of these four-letter words mm-hmm. have have lost some of their power, at least since this time. What do you think? Yeah, well, it reminds me of conversations we've had about uh, the power of, of some four-letter words and how they've retained some of their power. But I agree that oh, many have, of them... They've retained a lot of power, I agree. But, but many of them have been, have been dulled? I, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I use them all the time. I think there's a lot of code switching that we do, right? Without a doubt. Well said. We're using yep. them frequently yep. or we're not using them. Yep. But the, so, so in like one context, you can use a bunch of these four-letter words frequently, conversationally. Mm-hmm. Like with no power at all, other than the you know carrying, <coughs> carrying this like extra information of this is the level that I'm speaking with you at. That's right. Good point. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in another context, you know, I would never do that. Probably at the office, I guess. I would never do that in a courtroom. I would say. Um, you know, certain family situations, I just wouldn't do it. And, and and so, um, even though in one situation, it's like, it's not even a difficult decision. Um, in this other situation, I think those words still carry a tremendous amount of power. And a decision to use one at that time is a pretty, pretty loud demarcation that uh, something extreme is happening. People need to pay attention. Oh yeah, I was, I was thinking what came immediately to mind when you described that was like, I'm imagining, I can't think of a specific situation, but I can imagine even on like TV shows or something when someone, um, maybe you're in like a business meeting or a board meeting or like, or you're in a um, political setting or something where someone just says like, like either cut the crap or like, this is, this is bullshit. Right? Right. Like how, how like, you know, like. Like the 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 heightened discourse there, like when you're like, whoa, hold on a second, like this person's serious about this, right? Right. Um, so I think that's to your point, right? That like it, sometimes it can be used to, to that great effect to really be a um, what's the word uh, to to halt people? I guess is the is one way to get at it, right? That everybody right. kind of like stops and says, whoa, like you really like take this very seriously, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, let's say you were in a in a negotiation some kind of important exactly right yep 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 and it was uh, you know everything was on this this channel where those words are inappropriate exactly and uh the other person there is just kind of like running roughshod over you right this that right. the other thing they've got maybe a uh a nice little working relationship it seems with the mediator they're just kind of ticking off the things that they want to address if you feel like you're losing control or something it's nice you've got this weapon. It's like the nu- the the nuclear option. You just well pull it out and use it, and it works, right? Right. I, I mean, there's no way to ignore that. So, but, well, uh, but particularly when you back to your first point, when you switch code, right? I mean, like it's easy to ignore in, in settings where it is commonplace to use these expressions, yeah. but when they are used as a weapon, as it were, uh, they can be powerful. So you're you're kind of our egg expert, I would say. Uh, uh, maybe so, so what's the, the the chicken or egg thing here? Is you know in the channel where it's <laughs> appropriate to use them frequently. Yep. Do they lose their power in that context because you're using them frequently, or are you using them frequently because they don't have that much power in that context? Um. 
I'm not sure what my initial reaction is to that. I, I don't have a <coughs> excuse me a good sense of that, but I will say that the yeah I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for you to like just drop like, uh, an f bomb there or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's test this out right here on air. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Um. So just walk away. I don't know if I'm gonna answer that. Do you, do you have an answer to that question? I do not. That's okay. why I thought I'd put <laughs> to you. Because I, I, uh, I, I enjoy making you squirm. I guess. Well, the the, the, the the power of the word is is it lessened when it's when it's used more frequently? <laughs> um. Yes. Right. I mean, I think I think that's your first point. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be both, right? But, like, you know, if, if – and then I think some words get added meaning, right? So if, if, if everybody uses, like, shit a lot as a, as a word in even, like, business discussions, mm. then really the only expression you have left to you is, is the F word. Mm. So, like, it, 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 it kind of delineates a space in which, uh, you know, or it kind of it's, it, it, it puts a red line there. Where on the other side of that line is still something an expression that is only there and meant to be used, um, you know, for for specific purposes. Is it is it partly you know like how you treat it when you say it? Because like uh, I um, we were avoiding using the actual words themselves. That's right. In this, so I was wondering. Well, is this is this one of those channels? You know, where it's inappropriate. But you just you just drop one in there conversationally, no big deal. So yeah, is that's it, probably is true. it is it um, is it largely the you know how it's broadcast, whether or not the the speaker broadcasts that they're expecting the word to be disruptive? Uh, I think that could be the case, right? I mean. Yeah. It, it, it probably does depend a lot on the delivery and the context of it and probably like the 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 emotional state of the speaker right i mean yeah i mean I, you can kind of imagine a quiet like this is bullshit <coughs> excuse me but or you could I also you could imagine like a this, this is bullshit yes is bullshit right and then you kind of just let it sit <laughs> was that you dropping the mic sorry what did you say did you drop the mic sorry i'm over here now <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that worked or not, but <laughs> I it, I was confused. I'm not, I'm not an expert at throwing my voice. So, so that made me. No, I, I, it did sound like you. If, if I had to think back, it almost sounded like you were you were doing ventriloquy. <laughs> well, I don't think you want to sound like you're doing ventriloquy. <laughs> well, I, you know, and this might, um, yeah. <laughs> so so foul talk, yes. Um, <laughs> Um. So, what do you what do you think the future is? Will will they uh, will the words continue to lose their meaning? Will we get um, some new ones? <laughs> I was, I, that's what came to my mind. Words I just came to my mind. I can't even. I could never say on air, or at least uh, not anytime soon. But but it, I, I started to imagine that there could be worse words that could be substitutes here that are that are crude and disgusting and inexcusable today. That I guess at some point could be. The, the F words and the shits of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're going to have to write your own essay. 
just for, you know, explaining this. And, and I hope, uh, I hope that's how you close that essay. <laughs> Will someday be the shits of tomorrow. I'll tell you, that's... I, uh, I got one more thing I want to talk about. Here. Please, do, do um, tell me. And yes. I'm going to hope that it doesn't kind of fly out of my head, uh, which is possible. And having talked about that, I think I've kind of forced that <laughs> to happen. Um, oh, I... Um, so he he believes that, you know, this kind of like physical violence, getting you frustrating out physically with a, yep. with a door jam or something like that. Um, that that's a healthy way to avoid using the word. I, yeah. I've kind of always thought of the words as a healthy way to avoid doing that smashing stuff. things. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think that's how we were raised. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what that, that makes me yeah, think... That might be... It, yeah. it raises questions about... Um, Your upbringing? About his upbringing. Oh, yeah. Um, just, just, I wonder why or how that evolved. You know, so many questions. Maybe in other essays he explores that, but I don't believe in this essay he go he gets into why yeah. he has come to this place. Yeah, this loathsome form of expressing oneself. Yeah. Um, but it is expressing oneself. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess maybe it's healthier to communicate than to not communicate. I mean, it's, I guess slamming a door is is communicating, but I don't think that people do that to communicate. I think they they do that because they they're overcome by frustration. They can't help themselves. I think that's true, but I think now now you're making me think of the point about like why do we do those things, right? So yeah, like why why do we slam doors when we're angry? Like imagine like back to being in a classroom. Or even being a teacher in a classroom, right? Yeah. And like being quite angry and and like slamming the door to get people's attention, like is it, uh, well, I guess that's slightly different than slamming it. Well, you're still slamming it out of aggression, but you're also doing it for an effect. Um, and yeah, to be jarring, to be jarring, right? Um, so it really does almost have the same effect as if the teacher, you know, said something like "shut the fuck up," right? I mean. Wow, so you're just you're just kind of like going in here like, like you're the person who's afraid to get in the pool. Exactly. And you're like putting like one body part in at a time. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But yeah. I, but I will say that this is this is a great segue to the next essay. I, I don't say we have to go there yet, but I would say that me trying to explore the waters here. Yeah. Does the, the, the first water? The first water. I am a transgressor. You are you are a man of the first water. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I am I am a I am a transgressor. I think the... I think we we are podcasters of maybe like the third water. Ooh, maybe the fourth water. Yeah, we have. Uh, Can we do yes. water as a common ingredient? That's probably not going to work. Huh. No, uh, unless, unless we unless we decide to be um, soup wingmen. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I have I have no interest in in wing managing uh, with with soup. Wing uh, I I, uh, I have no yeah. affinity for soup. Yes, well, I'm not. Yeah, I've never really been a soup guy. Yeah, I I, 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 gr- I, I grew it. up a soup man. I'm I'm a, I'm a 
I'm a soup man by by birth. Were you were you trained to swear at your soup if it burned you? <laughs> um, I know. Were you? No. I, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a leading uh, question. <laughs> um, it was a leading question, I guess. Yes. But, um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think. I, I think. I think the words themselves. I think they're. I think they're fascinating. The fact that. The fact that we, as like a group, like choose to to invest these words with this kind of power, I totally agree. Um, it is a fascinating thing, and the fact that it works. I mean, there's just like no. You can be impressed with language, right? It's a great yeah. speech, it's a great turn of phrase, right? We pulled some out here just because they're they're impressive, just by themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's like a, you know. If if uh, just dropping an f bomb is a ten, like some of these phrases in terms of like mm-hmm. being jarring or or right. you know the the kind of um, the art thing of just having an effect on the on the viewer the listener, yeah, you know it's like a yeah it's like a two and a ten it's, it's just not it's not in the same echelon. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very glad that this was an essay that we chose to talk about. I, I think that it well, actually... I saw it. You know, uh, you know, we both were poking around here and trying to find some some nice essays of note. But uh, yeah, this one this one always caught my eye, and not because of the alarm clock story, which is a good story. It is a good story. It it happens to uh, serve the exact point that he wants to make, and also you know. Um, I was reading this, and I was thinking to myself, like, this woman is probably not going to be too pleased with the fact that he wrote this. That's my guess. But he seems to have taken care of that problem by not identifying her, right? Well said, yes. So so she would read it, and she'd know, and the other three people that were in the room, they'd know. And he (coughs) might have told other people the story, because he's a storyteller. Exactly. Uh, so, and, they, and they'd know. Um, but let's say John Keane is known as a person who knows a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Which I think is highly likely. Yes. Um, it's possible, I mean, he's in a position, therefore, of just making up a story like this. Just totally making it up. And because he's not identifying anyone, even if you doubted him, there'd be nobody to verify the story with. Also true, and because maybe it's a little bit embarrassing, the like defense mechanism is like built right in there, right? It's like, uh, oh yeah, well, yeah, who, who was it? Who was it? Well, right. you know, I can't tell you. It'd be a little embarrassing, and then you get away with it. That's so right. I think that the the anonymity there is what is yeah. So maybe I'm going to do that from now on. Just oh. make sure that the the stories you tell when you make them up. It's got, there's something embarrassing in there to explain why you're not identifying anyone. Uh-huh. It's, it's probably a kernel of how uh, stand-up is created, right? Stand-up comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Man, now I think the more we think about this, the the more our world will, will crumble. That's a little scary. 
I mean, I, I mean, anytime you 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 kind of pick up that lid and start to have to ask the question, like, is this story actually true? Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that it kind of takes away. What is it? The, is the expression it breaks down the fabric of society? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, trust. Trust is the social glue. Is it? Isn't that an expression? I don't know, but it it, it definitely seems like it could be. Yeah, I think uh, if it's not, I think. I think you and I alone can make that catch on. Yeah, I would. I would be happy to to join you in that effort. Well, we're we're mining nuggets here, yeah. So it would be my privilege. Well, thank you. Um, my life's work. <laughs> um. So see, so see if you if you found out that I was lying there and I actually didn't care, right? You know, just think of all the the confidence you'd lose in me. So I would never tell you that. Well said. <laughs> um, Speaking of being afraid of things, exactly. Yes, the other uh, last, the last essay, essay that we that we were, we were looking to talk about here is it's fear. Fear, and this is yeah. one where it's got the the nugget front and center. I love it. Yep. Yeah, right off the bat here, it's uh, fear. I am convinced that fear is the only malady that man will never conquer. Oof. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like um, that's the only thing we have to be afraid of, right? This is uh... say it. <laughs> I can't say. It. <laughs> I can't say. It. The only thing that we have to be afraid of. Yeah, the only thing we have to be afraid of. Is fear is itself being afraid to say fear itself? Being yes. afraid <laughs> is being afraid of using an old uh, adage. Um, so yeah. keen here. This is an older adage. Yes. Yeah. I. Uh, I feel like I want to work in an excuse here to say older adage again. That was enjoyable. It, it is. Yeah. Go ahead. Give him. Give it a <laughs> older adage. Yeah, yeah. It, um, so is that a, is that a, a a song title, an album title, or a band name? Well, it's hard to say a band name. It, you, you have to say the name too frequently to make it be a good band name, right? Yeah, yeah. You're right. It would probably get like shortened in some way, some obnoxious. Way. Um, and. Uh, I, th- I think it probably goes for a song, but that's probably the highest level it can go for, right? Well, right, but maybe you know, by the same token, if you name a if you if you name a song older adage, are you are you like obligated to say to sing the words older adage in the song? And could that be difficult? I don't know. Might be an album. Might be an album. Older adage. Yeah, I think you could sing it. Um, I don't know. I think that's pretty tough. Maybe it's like a like a, a speak singing track. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know. Yes, that's what so, we're here to talk about the, the the largest mysteries in life. So so you know, Keen also writes that fear is a malady, but it need not be that bad a malady. Right, because we don't like really fear it. Right, like miserliness or grandeur. Yeah, take those, it away, those are and pretty we are terrifying. 
Take it away, yes. And we are without the body's last line of defense. A modicum of fear is necessary as well as good. It brings us prudence, which is another name for our guardian angel. <laughs> and, and, uh, and what would we do without prudence? Yeah. I would be lost without prudence. Yeah. We, we all would be. Yeah. In fact, I am afraid of not having access to prudence. <laughs> but I, I, I guess I just agreed not to, not to use names so I could... <laughs> anyway, um, so yes. yes, it is man who mostly manufactures fear. So this is this is not the first time that anyone has ever talked about, you know, what is what is courage? Correct. Um, I think in other contexts, people have been fond of or feel very justified in saying that uh, if you're not afraid, then it's not really courage. Right. That's not really where he goes here. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's, uh... It's more like if there aren't cowards, then there'd be no way to to value courage. Right. So that's not the same thing as saying, you know... It takes fear to... <laughs> right. Right. No, that's a good point here. Uh, he says maybe it's a good thing that we have cowards. Because he's quoting to, oh yeah, he's quoting uh, Julius Caesar, right? Or Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, right? Yep. Uh, Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Yes. Which is a great thing, quote. Um, Fear, uh, Keen writes, I believe, is one of the most essential ingredients in man's makeup. I think Um, that's true. I think that's true as well. I think that, um, I mean, substance fear is, is a... Is a safety mechanism? Yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, I think there are just lots of lots of the uh, the things that we as human beings have in common within right. our personalities. All of those right. things that we have in common, mm-hmm. they're probably hardwired. Probably has to do with survival. Whatever it is. And uh, I think there's no there's nothing easier to trace. In that regard, than fear. That's the one. Right. I mean that that that's where it all started. Do you uh, <coughs> do you feel like you are like routinely in fear? That fear is like a part of your life. Hmm. Uh, that sounds like a no. Well, uh, no, it is. But I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. Um. I'm not sure if I'm conflating fear with other emotions like, um, I don't know, maybe uh, self-doubt or... uh, On the next episode of Sandwich (laughs) Wingman, Rob explains whether self-doubt has been conflated with fear. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll get into it now, but I mean... You know, I mean, I I think it's common in uh, in that wasn't like the hook, like trying to take you off stage. I just oh, you know, but in our in our professional lives, you know, you can imagine those moments where yeah, you are one could be afraid. Um, Do you think there are some people that are just that just tend to be less fearful than others, or is it or is it really what what's the what's the bigger uh, drive? What's the bigger cause? of either fear or not fear. Is it the situation or is it the person? We're kind of talking about this uh, with happiness. 
on episode That's right. nine. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I, I'm wondering if, if it might be something of the person, and I'm wondering whether it has something also to do with, like, the... I think when we talked about episode nine, which was, like, the... You could build up kind of a lot of happiness reserves, and then that kind of kind of stays with you for a while. Yeah, I'm imagining the situation of someone who uh, consistently does things that other people might be afraid of, like jumping out of airplanes or something. You mm-hmm. know, like for parachuting or something. And I could imagine if, if you did that often enough, you you could presumably decrease whatever hormonal or uh, chemical response your body has to that we that we experience as fear. Yeah. Like I, I got to imagine that since many of our uh, dispositions are kind of developed situationally, I've got to imagine that you could probably decrease your own um, sense of fear by putting yourself in many situations in which you uh, feel fear and, and end up not being uh, in danger. Yeah. So, so you, you end up being kind of dulled a bit back to some earlier theme we talked about in the episode, right? So. Would you say that, you know, kind of your average level of fear, you know, in, in the very recent history, you know, in, in your in your day-to-day now, right. is, that, is that higher or lower than it used to be at some other point in your life? Huh. Um, oh, the, the other motion I, I tie in with fear is anxiety, and I think that I've my anxiety levels have probably differed substantially over time. It may, it may be diminished. And we've had a conversation about that before, whether my fear has. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good question. Do, do, can I, can I kind of hit that one back to you? Do do you think that your, the devil may care, your fear may have subsided fears? Yeah. I mean, said? I think, I think with experience comes, some understanding of you know how how important things actually are not that i'm all the way there uh, or i'm a master of that um but you know something uh, there were definitely things like say in high school that seemed like life or death right that uh i don't know i just wouldn't it wouldn't uh, bother me the same way now Uh, things don't really bother me right now I, i don't know what to say I'm not, uh, I mean, there, there are bad things that can happen. I just, um, I don't know. There's, there's stuff I can control. There are things I can't control. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the, what the difference is, is kind of knowing what not to care about. Yeah. Cause well, that, I, cause that's what I, fear I, is, right? It's it's uh, caring a lot about something, right? It's 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 of losing something that you have, not even uh, necessarily uh, right. Not necessarily of like losing something that you haven't gotten yet. It's more like Good losing point. something that you have, right? Like like your your life at the ex- at one extreme, right? But uh, but also like which is uh, something we value very highly, right? Or like or you know maybe uh, mobility or something, right? If you were to get injured. All these things, you're right. I, th- I think it is has something to do with loss. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's <coughs> what, what, it, what it has to be. And so it's not afraid that I'm. It's not that I'm not afraid of losing things, and it's not that I 
don't feel like I have things that I don't value or that I value. Um, right. I don't know. I mean, things tend to work out. I guess I'm, we're just in a, in a lucky place at a lucky time. Yeah. Know. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think that's... Um, if anything, I think that, that this essay has brought a lot of questions up in our minds to make us think about our lives, right? So, um, so what do you think about um, kind of faking not having fear? I mean, this kind of goes back to what we're saying about what is courage? Is it is it uh, surpassing fear or is it not having fear? What do you think about having fear and like faking your way through it? Fake it until you make it, because that's kind of the story that he tells at the end here. Well, that's true, but I wonder whether it has something to do with um, the. Uh, it, it is off-putting, perhaps, to be in a situation with someone who does not seem to be afraid of things. You kind of pay them more heed or attention, right? Yeah, like they're they're compelling is the word. Um, yeah, I think we I think we learn to to respect that, right. Yeah. Like that's that could be kind of terrifying, or you'd you'd give someone a wide berth. Exactly right, because you're like, oh, this guy isn't afraid to. Yeah. And one extreme, this guy isn't afraid to die, right? Be like, he's yeah, he's got nothing to nothing lose left, or or he's willing to lose. Yeah. That. Um, maybe it goes back to the to the last essay, even of. Uh, I don't know, just just power, right? Like if that that negotiation thing we were talking about. Oh, good point. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, oh, you know, you feel like you've been running roughshod or whatever. No one's giving you heed, or you just drop drop one out there, and, right. and they'll stop. Well, maybe that's exactly what that is. That's a, the fact that you're willing to throw that out there is a is a it's meant as and will be taken as a signal that you don't care. That you are willing to lose, you know, right. whatever it is to be like an accepted member of whatever you know channel that is where the those those words are not accepted. Um, Agreed. So this is, this kind of reminded me of, um, you know, like worrying about losing things and that being what what fear is. Um, I think possessions definitely fit into that, right? Yep. Usually, what we're most afraid of is either our own life or you know access to or the lives of, of people that we care about it's right about, it's about caring um it reminded me of uh something i saw recently a quote from the great george carlin oh yes trying to be happy by accumulating possessions is like trying to satisfy hunger by taping sandwiches all over your body Words of wisdom. I think so. Well, so what do you say? Yes. So what are we going to do? Episode 12. We need an ingredient. Yes, and I also hope that I can end this episode with a quote that's the end of this fear essay. But uh, episode 12, we were talking about doing salami. Yeah. That's... Now I'm <coughs> happy because I was afraid that we would like get stuck with a chocolate again or something ah like yes that no was, 
That was an unpleasant experience. I don't want to repeat that. I agree. So now um, I'm going to sign off with this. I will say it's been a fun episode. I know you kicked it off, but I can't help but now want to read this quote to end off the episode. Um, And I look forward to the next one. It says, uh, Now I have to leave you, John Keane writes, for I am also possessed of a fear. And it is a fear common to all writers. It is the fear of boring his readers, a crime of which every writer stands terrified of being convicted. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think this. I think the. I'm sorry to make another point here. No, please. But I think. I think. Uh, you know what I said earlier, just like not really, not really caring so much. Or <laughs> exactly. I think this episode is proof. I care <laughs> little about boring the listener. So. <laughs> well, uh, on, on that high note. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, that's, Ryan. That's kind of like a big fuck you to the listener, I guess. Oh wow, yeah. Well, that, that that's a great way to end See, this. So, yeah, I just jumped right in the pool there, Rob. Yes, it was a cannonball. So so so, so, so it's so. not meant. It wasn't meant that way. I was just trying to make a joke. I, but yes, right I back. Respect anyone that's made it all the way to the end of this episode. Yeah, right, right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so until next time. <laughs>